I am unashamed. What about you? So one of the things that you taught me, especially living in the outdoors, was, you know, when you live a godly life and you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you try to be creative in doing things that are good, clean fun. Yeah. And so I've always... You survey the landscape. You say, well, what's everybody up to? What can we do here? Yeah. And try to bring glory (laughs) to God. So, you know, later on in life, because I went through the stage, I mean, I'm always a hunter and a fisherman, and I visit God's grocery store. I, I take pride in that. And I was a competitor for years, so I played in all kind of sporting events, which I eventually Another got Another good way to keep you out of trouble. It, it is. And another thing I've done is I've gotten into that metal detecting because- Keep you out of trouble. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a good thing. Look, the last time I played golf, so I'm-, I'm Keep pl- you out of trouble. Yeah. it's We're playing golf. We're trying to put a ball in a hole it, in the ground. It, there's not a whole lot of ways to mess up. <laughs> yeah. and Because people don't view that as a sport per se- because when you think about it, anything you can, you know, smoke and drink while you're doing, let's face it, it's it's pretty Plus much not breaking a sport. your break, throwing your your golf club, either breaking them over, some of them break them, some yeah. of them slam the ground with them and break them, yeah. some of them sling them out in the in the uh, the, the pond. So you you, <laughs> you you can mess up and show out and yeah. pull some <laughs> stupid stunt, even playing golf. But yeah. I'm just saying. But Well, I was going to say this. The last time I played, which was about a week ago, and it was the first time I played in a couple of months, this guy. Be angry, at, be angry, and sin not. Well, yeah, I have seen people <laughs> blow it. It's like Stone, our good friend. You know, I watched him play golf a few sessions, and I went to him and said, you don't need to play golf because he would get so angry. Yeah. And I was like, you're not good enough to be angry. Right. And he yeah. said, what do you mean? I was like, to be to get angry, that means you would have had to be good and not meet your expectation. You're not good. So when you hit a terrible <laughs> shot, don't have a fit of rage. Fits of rage are it's never good. It's no longer good, clean fun. So I'm telling this, I'm playing a week ago, Al, with uh, our, our friend Stapp, and he had a couple of his friends, and these guys were, I would say they were about your age. And they're this is their good, clean fun. And so the guy who's really good, one of these older gentlemen, he the club comes back, and on the way through, right before the crack of the ball against the driver face, there was a bigger crack that went pow, and then boom, he hit. Well, I look back, and oh, his knee just popped in his three swing. Whew. As in, Ooh. I need some help getting back to the cart. Yeah, and uh, I said, "Well, he popped that out of joint." I said, "Are you going to be able to play?" Get an ambulance down here. Yeah, and when I said, "Are you going to be able to continue?" He said, "No, I need somebody to take me to the ER. (laughs) 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 I've I've broken something in this knee." He's given. I haven't heard this story, but he's given new meaning to the. The, the playing of golf. Yeah, I thought, well, you know, I thought this was good, clean fun and a way not to get hurt. But upon further review, the older we get, two things are happening. The resurrection looms larger, and you can actually break something just swinging at a certain age. So I thought that Jace, was interesting. You remember, you, 
do, do you remember when uh, your boys were there? It's been about four or five years ago, and Willie was there. There was five of us. We were standing on the T, number 14, at Calvert. And back in those days, they had these little flat rocks, and they painted them a different color to tell you what tees you were on. So we were playing the blues. Yeah. So it was a little flat blue. I mean, that thing wasn't – it probably didn't have a three-inch face on it. No, it wasn't even that much. They they used rocks for the T bar T T marking, like you get in between the two little rocks. But they're just little, almost pebbles, but a little bigger, flat rocks. Yeah, they they up inches. So we're on the blues, but at the front of the yeah. T box, about ten or fifteen yards in front of us, are the whites, and there's a little flat rock there. So I go back and I hit my drive. I hit a driver, and I hit just a low scud that hit that rock came straight back and hit mm-hmm. me about three inches from my crotch, right in my thigh. Yeah. And it was, here's, here's what it sounded. When you said that, Jason, it made me remember that yeah. it went pow, pow. It was, it hit it the did. rock and it, but you got to remember hit me. we were all there and I'm looking for where the ball is. Everybody's looking. Club head speed. Well, Al, I was going to say a hundred miles an hour, but Al, maybe 60. It, the, he hits the ball <laughs> So we're all looking this way. Did it leave a mark? Did it leave a mark? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So look, so what happened was it went pa-pow, and they're all looking up. Well, I'm standing there like I dropped my driver, and I just put my hands on my knees, and the ball is right there in between my feet. And so everybody (laughs) looks down the fairway, and then they all look back at me, and there's my ball, and I'm just sitting there with my hands on my knees, and then I start laughing. And then we just, the, all five of us fell out on the tee box laughing. It's the hardest I've ever laughed playing golf, which is the definition <laughs> of good, clean fun. Cause you know, now he came close <laughs> to having some kind of redneck. I almost, got, I almost neutered myself. Yeah. He almost was neutered <laughs> yeah. playing golf. You think, how does that happen? But it, it, it did. By so, the way, my whole dad, my inner thigh from the knee to my crop to my growing was solid purple i mean Ooh. deep yeah. bruised and there was a contusion with the golf ball right where that golf ball hit and it, it was there about six months before it finally healed up and went away but man I mean, you can't hurt yourself playing golf which was my point which is why you get in i noticed that now that i'm metal detecting and you know we're fixed to shoot this the pilot show for that and see how it goes so no guarantees they may look at it and say what this is this is not going to work but i noticed most of the people who do this they they're old so i'm getting old because you finally get to a point where you're just walking around there's gray in your whiskers yeah it's happened yeah and i didn't do that kind of creeps upon you jason yeah it creeps up on you so i'm i'm running around with uh the old timers. And I think it's fitting because evidently I'm fixed to be a grandpa, which is kind of weird and sobering. But tonight, look, I have a, I have a real strange request. So one of my buddies that we actually play golf with Al, his son, he's 11 years old. They, they have, they're to the point in baseball where they're going to the world series. So how that works, you're in a league, you, you play and then you play what is it the regionals and then you win the state and well now they're going to the world all, series all the way to the world series yeah so he asked me 
to come say a few words to the team, I, which I thought was strange, but he's my buddy. I'm like, he's like, well, just because their mindset, we, we want to have their, their minds right. So I'm like, okay, so I'm going to go after their practice before they go wherever they go off to play the World Series. So what do you tell a bunch of 11-year-olds who have made it to the World Series? What do you, what do you how do you get in their mind? What do you, what would you tell them? I wouldn't even know where to start. Really? I wouldn't. 11-year-olds, <laughs> I'm I glad just they said, boys, suck it up. Here's what I'm going with, and y'all tell me if I'm wrong. Because I thought about that. Which, which I, first, my first question was to him was, well, why do you want me? He's like, well, you've coached baseball before, kids. I said, yeah, I am. And he said, I just feel like we need some spiritual guidance, which I thought, okay. And so what I thought I would do is say, number one, this is the only time, this trip is the only time where I don't want you to listen to your parents because my thinking is they're way too emotional now. Cause they've been all the way to the world series. You need to listen to your coaches and you need to play for each other at this point. I mean, by this time, if you've made it to the world series, you're, you're pretty good. So then I thought I would also say that everybody's going to be good up there. So when you get in, in any kind of, competition where everybody's good you have to enjoy being there because now right. the the room for error is basically you know you may strike out more you may give up more hits because you're playing better competition so you're going to have to deal with overcoming especially in the game of baseball that you're going to fail and so I thought about asking them, how many, how many of y'all have made mistakes or failed during this baseball season, which hopefully they all raise their hand. If they don't, we'll talk about lying. But, you know, <laughs> game uh, baseball is a game, which it's good, clean, fun. But you also want them to know that baseball is, is a game about overcoming adversity. So and, and, did your speech work? Did they actually? Well, I'm it? doing it tonight. I'm practicing on y'all because I oh, thought y'all might get started. Yeah, I'm doing it tonight. So I, I mean, I just thought about things that are good, clean, fun. I I think I think baseball, fall, especially when you're a kid, falls into that category. Yeah. So and then of course yeah. I'll get to the spiritual side. No matter what happens, it, it teaches you about overcoming adversity, teamwork, you know, playing for each other. I mean, things like that. Which ultimately, you know, if God if you is, lose, we'll get them next time. Well, the fact that you made it here, you need to enjoy it. Okay. I, I'm trying to lower their expectations. So anything else or y'all like where I'm going with that? No, I love that. And, and I especially love – look, you see that at the professional level. When you see a team come together and they seem like they're enjoying being in that moment, I mean, they're the ones that almost are always successful. When you see the tight ones, you know, that they're yeah. – you know, they had an expectation they were supposed to be there. They're the ones that usually fail. So I love the idea that – when you when you're at that level, quit don't don't say do we belong. Just have fun. Just yeah, do, I do think what that, you do what you've done. I do think you have to when you get at big stages in competition, you have to slow everything down because it tends everything tends to speed up. You take for granted that yeah. oh, I gotta see the ball and hit it. You just get up there and all of a sudden you're facing greater competition. But the people, even on the kid level, that tend to slow everything down and just 
treat it like a normal baseball game, those are the ones that are that are successful. Most of the problems emanate from those type contests, young boys like this. Most of the problems come from their parents, not yeah, them. That's why. That's why. Look, that's why. I'm I mean, saying. You, you might not have the greatest direction when, it, you, like you say, the parenting. They need to kind of just chill out a little bit here. Let the boys play. Well, there's a rule that I always follow was that the parents should cheer, the coaches coach, and the players play. That's when it. that gets out of whack. Yeah. Oh, you got people <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fighting. Uh, somebody sent me a video the other day. There was, I mean, they were little league, and it was some championship game. And next thing you know, there's haymakers being thrown by oh, the yeah. two coaches or who are parents. But what struck me watching the video is the kids were just looking like dumbfounded. Like what? What? What's happening? Your speech might have been better received, and it would be better for all is to make sure. It- Give the same speech to the parents. Well, right. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a little easier than saying this is at one time where you don't pay much attention to your parents. That's pretty good advice. With you know little, what? Little I mean, League Baseball, uh, you could say, look, your parents get a little bit bent out of shape, but you all stay cool. You know, you know, just remember, you know, you got to get Well, I think blocking out, the noise, blocking out the noise at that age means yeah. – this is the one time in life where you don't need to listen to your parents. That's right. I think that's what I'm. I going think that's with. a good line. I think I like that. I think it's. All right, I'll let y'all know how it turns. Pretty, that's pretty cool. Let's take a break. So one of the things that we realize working with a lot of people, all three of us throughout our whole lives, is that uh, people fail. You know, they they make mistakes, they fall short. Uh, we certainly do it ourselves, and. You know, there was one time, you know, especially for dad and I, where we completely were, you know, cut off from, from God and doing what was right. And um, so one of the things that we try to advise people to do is to, to seek wise counsel uh, whenever you've got some problems. And one of our sponsors is a group called Faithful Counseling. And uh, I'm a big proponent of Christian counseling uh, because it makes such a difference in people's lives. It made a di- big difference in mine and Lisa's life. And so these guys are really good. Uh, you can find them at faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed. And everything you share with them is confidential. There's, you know, they have 3,000 licensed therapists across all 50 states. You can text, chat, have phone conversation, video. So there's a lot of different ways to be able to connect. Because sometimes you can't always find a counselor, especially if you're in a rural area. So if you're having some issues, uh, we really encourage you to check these guys out. If you go to faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed, you're going to get 10% off your first month from our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. So check them out if you need them, faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed. May they win all their games and go to on to be the world's greatest little league team. But if they don't, they should be. Be thankful ex- you got that far. Well, that's right. Once you make it that far, the room the, the room for error the room for error and the and the parody is is there, so you just kind of kind of have it go your way. Yeah, enjoy it. Just remember, it's just a just a game. Well, that's right. So I'll lead that into the real game of life. You know, putting their trust in yep. a little little something more sustainable, yep. the Almighty. Actually, it does make a good spiritual application because when you think about it, you know, that's what happens in, in your spiritual life is people become the biggest deterrent many times to how you view, how your attitude is, how you live. I mean, you let them drain on you. 
you know, because their expectations are something different than yours. And so you start listening to all that chatter and all that noise, you sometimes you lose your way, which happens a lot of times. It would be good to remind them, uh, since we're fixing to get into Romans 12, uh, that offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Well, a little baseball team out there on the field, uh, you're showing everybody in the neighborhood uh, your accomplishments. And if you are cool and in situations where those bases are loaded and and you and you got two outs and their best hitters at the plate. Well, it's time for everybody to, all right, be be show them show them what this is about. You know, make the play. Yeah. Well, you know. yesterday I had a weird thing when I was coming back from South Carolina. They came over on the the intercom. They were like. Jason Robertson report to the whatever. And I thought, here we go. And they had just said that they were overbooked by six on the plane and they were offering people. It started off. The bidding started off at $500 and it got up to a thousand for somebody <laughs> to let somebody else have their seat. And I'm like, how is this happening? And then they called me up there and I thought, here we go. But you know, I'm not taking, I don't care if they offer me a million dollars. I'm fixed to get on this plane. <laughs> And so the woman said, we need to see your, I'd, your, I'd take the million. And well, I was kidding. Uh, for, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just they checking, said 1100 chicken Jays. I mean, I, you know, yeah, I was embellishing. Yeah, the I may be late to the party, but yeah. you know, no, if they'd have said 1500, I'd probably said, yeah, okay. I'll be a little late, babe. But so they said, here's the, cause I thought that's what they were going to do. I said, why did they pick my random name out of the hat? I was kind of making a judgment, which I was completely wrong on. So they, she said, I need to see your ticket, which I had it on my phone. And she looked at it and was looking at me. And I thought, what is going on here? She's like, okay, scan it. So I scanned it. She's like, okay, you can get on the plane. Well, nobody else had got on the plane. I was the first one on. I was like, why would they do that? So all the way down there, I'm walking, I get on my seat and I thought, why did that happen? That is strange. And so everybody else started boarding the plane. Well, this guy's kind of limping. He's about my age and he sits beside me. And, uh, I, and he said something about, uh, Oh, I, you know, he said, Jason, I was like, I don't know how he recognized me with the mask on. Yeah. He said, yeah, I, I told him that I had just had surgery on my knee. And so that's probably why they called you. So I didn't have to step over you and all this. They, so, and he was right. That, that was the whole deal. They were trying to accommodate this passenger, which then I kind of felt bad for judging them. But I said, well, I have to ask. I mean, what happened? And he said, well, he said, I used to play softball for years. And he said, I got asked to play in a slow pitch softball game. I said, now, how old are you? And he said, I'm 48. And I said, that's probably a bad idea because I, I knew where this, <laughs> this story was going. He said, you know, I thought I'm playing with a bunch of old guys. What I love softball. What could go wrong is slow, slow pitch. He said, but when I hit that first pitch, he said, I literally took off out of the batter's box like I was shot out of a cannon because all these years of playing. He said, I took about 10 steps and just pay out. He said, and just <laughs> fell over in a hump. He said, next thing I know, I'm headed toward the ER. And he's like, you know, four-hour surgery later, 
I'm limping around on a plane having to come. Got to know when to hold them, when to fold them. (laughs) (laughs) It was so funny. (laughs) I said, well, I'm feeling better about my retirement and getting into metal detecting after hearing this story. What ended my softball career up is I was up in the church league, you know, just trying to stay out of trouble. And I drove one deep (laughs) into right field, whoom, over the head of of the fielder. And I said, I, I may make it. I made the first, second. I made it to third. I'm looking up there. They're translating it in, getting the ball thrown up, and I'm running toward home plate. But I just noticed I'm barely making it, and I just just dive, roll up in a heap. I made it. But I said, that winds it up right there. I said, that well, the visual up. image I made it, but of I you. Said, of I'm you as an elderly man circling the bases in softball is just, it's kind of, I don't know, that's oh. thats quite the sight. Oh, yeah. I, I decided right there, as I, I roll over on my back and I'm looking up at the sky and I said, you know what? I'm too old to do this. Yeah. And this was full beard. And oh, full, yeah. yeah. I never went back. Over. Dad was pretty. It was we. It, our team was Duck Commander was our sponsor. We had camo shirts. You remember, Jay? Yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. we were all young. We were in our twenties, so I guess Dad was in his forties. But it was pretty amazing because we put Dad in center field because he had such a good arm. I mean, he first time he somebody hit a ball out there, he threw the ball to third base. Oh, I remember. And it was and rising. It, yeah, it stopped it, it, the it went, game. Everybody, because you <laughs> you know you have an NFL caliber arm. Even though it's the after years playing center field, and when you threw that ball, both teams because you it just it kept rising. It went over the third baseman's head, but everybody it like became bigger than the slow pitch softball game that nobody cares <laughs> whether right. we win or lose. Yeah. It's like, did you see that throw? It just was Look, incredible. I'll, I'll never it kept rising. That. It went over the dugout and into the other field where yeah. they were playing behind us. I mean, that thing, you uncorked it, and I mean, I don't know how far it went, but it, it went was, a long way. It was you remember a throw that, that, that I thought, is it, has it ever landed? It just, yeah. it was one of those <laughs> things that you see in a professional, that only professional athletes can do. So, yeah, I remember that, Al. It's weird. I just remember because everybody remember, stopped uh, like, what, what just yeah. happened? It was like you had a cannon in your arm that literally went off. Yeah. You're so, born with a good arm, and you, they can't be made. Yeah, you're either, you're I saw born, born with them or not. Yeah. So, well, I'm glad there was that another, you turned I, that down. Dad, I remember another one where you were pitching, and um, old Marvin Stuckey, who's not with us anymore, unfortunately. Uh, he passed away a couple of years ago. He was playing catcher. And so there was a, a runner on first, and this guy hits the ball. He hits a gapper. I mean, he drilled it. And so – the, who, the center fielder gets the ball, throws it to Bud Adam, who's playing shortstop, who also had a, a good arm. And he threw just a strike. But you had drifted down toward the plate, and the catcher was there, but you just took over. You, you went to the plate. You took the throw. The guy that had been at first was coming in. You tagged him out. The guy that hit the ball was right behind him, and you tagged him out. Double play yeah. at the plate from a throw from center field i'll never forget that because it was funny you shouldn't have even been at the plate but you just drifted down there and took the throw i guess you didn't trust marvin to make the play yeah i didn't think old marvin was up to it it was good clean (laughs) fun until the body started falling apart i guess that's the theme of that (laughs) yeah that's right well and that's what happens to all of us right i guess that's a good segue to romans 12 because it's actually 
about the body. It's kind of it's kind of a a transition, you know, because basically Paul's been making the case for the first eleven chapters about the gospel, and then how his own people miss the gospel because they miss Jesus, and then he gets to chapter twelve. Uh, and he uses that word that you know he's fixing a transition. He says, therefore, and then he makes that transition. But, Dad, you've observed um, that that's kind of typical for most of Paul's writings, that he's going to lay out the case for the gospel and exactly yeah. what we're supposed to do in Christ. Just... And then he ta- starts talking about lifestyle. Hang on, Dad. Let's take a break for you. You know, I live in a world where, you know, when – I had a guy ask me how come his house was crooked, and I said, are your tires flat? You don't get it? Your high, why your <laughs> house was crooked? Yeah, his house was crooked because he had a flat tire. Yeah. He had a mobile home. I'm like missing and on that one. I don't so get I said, well, oh. how you can improve your house is to get a, a trailer hitch yep. and, and, and move it. So. Yep. Uh, it was a joke. Well, but. Jace, I've got a I've got a better way to improve your house. Uh, you might can try our new sponsor. It's called American Home Shield. They've been around for over fifty years, which tells you that uh, they're a good company, or you don't last that long. So they've helped a lot of people uh, throughout the years. Uh, they paid out more to to help people, you know, with things go wrong in your home uh, than anybody has total. So they're really good. Uh, they've got a fifty dollar off. Uh, for the listeners of our show, which is awesome. And so we want you to check these guys out. Uh, get some peace of mind, you know, for your home. You get $50 off. You go to a, a uh, you go to ahs.com slash fill to save that 50 bucks and to check these guys out. It's ahs.com slash fill and go with American Home Shield. Be sure that you're with the shield. Service fees, limitations, and exclusions apply. See plan for details. Uh, that the Apostle Paul wrote, if you just look carefully, uh, it'll start out like Romans. Romans 1, called to be an Apostle, servant of Christ Jesus. This is who's talking here called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. That's the first thing he says. The last thing he says in the book of Romans is, now to him who's able to establish you by my gospel, he goes back to 1-1. On 1625, he comes back and says the same thing, the proclamation of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past but now revealed and made known. And that's what he's alluding to in Romans 12 when he said, in view of God's mercy, he's saying, I started with the gospel. I'm going to end with it. And in view of it, here's how you roll. And he's saying that worship of God is a lifestyle, not a going into a uh, place of worship and going away, and that's it for the week. He's saying there needs to be a lifestyle change in the way you view worship. It's not something you go to. It's it's who you are at all times. It's how you live, how you operate, how you get along with your brothers and your sisters 
and the world around you. It's a big view. Now, this is Romans right after the book of Acts. So basically, big picture, starting with all the epistles. You get to 1 Corinthians, to the church of God in Corinth, sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be holy together with everybody. I always thank God for you. He's thanking them. They've received the gospel. And then it's how you live because of it. Second Corinthians, same thing. You, you get past Second Corinthians and you get into Galatians. It says, Galatians, I am shocked that you're turning to a different gospel because that's the fuel behind a godly life. But then you get to Ephesians. This is what God has done for you. Chapter one, just start. There's the gospel presented. Then it gets over by the time you get to chapter four. Therefore, this is how you should live. You should no longer live like the Gentiles do. There, And he goes through all these epistles out. The gospel's a motivation. Start with it and end with it and how you roll with it as a person on planet Earth. It's a worship to God is a lifestyle based on your faith and you being under grace and the Spirit of God in you. This is how you should roll anywhere and everywhere all the time. It's not about going to church. That phrase is not in the Bible, going to church. It's not in the Bible for yeah. good reason. So yeah. that's just a little overview on, 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 on each of these epistles and the message that's always front and center. If you live like the devil, you're yeah. not going to help many people. You're not going to bring many people to Jesus. That's the point. Yeah. So say, I think, you know, we, we spent a lot of time in Romans 12 because when you think about in view of God's mercy, you know, that mindset, what's, it may be going on to what we were talking about, talking about the kids and that we need So it's some, not a worldly it, thing. It, nope. it, it's, it's a spiritual thing. It made me think of that story in, I believe it's Matthew 26, where, you know, I'll be interested to see your take on it. But you remember when Jesus was going up to the mountain to pray and he had some of his disciples there and he told them to wait right there. And he went up and prayed and he come back and he was, he wasn't frustrated, but he was like, He's they were all asleep. asleep. Yeah. You know, and he, he, he goes back and does it again. Great and that's, point. When, that's when he prayed and said, you know, if there's another way or if you can take this cup and he's like, I'm overwhelmed to the point of death and he comes back and they're sleeping again. And then he makes that saying, he says, uh, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He, he, with, I think he said, but the flesh is weak. And he made that, that analogy again. And he come back and they were, they were asleep because they wasn't getting the big picture. Mm -hmm. And I think about that here because, you know, when we're, we're viewing God's mercy and we're having a, a renewed mind. It's a two-way conversation going on and God is conveying through his grace and through us contemplating. Cause we always think of us thinking about him, but as we're thinking about him, well, what he's conveying is basically two things that I'm willing to love you, forgive you to, never forsake you, all the promises of God, and I'm able. And and that's our problem. You know, when we talked about all these, you know, playing golf when you're old or playing baseball, our problem is our body 
is gets to a point where we're not able, you know, from a physical side, even though our spirit, our spirit thinks, Oh, I still got it. You know, I still got it. But I think in the spiritual world, when you think about us praying to God and us representing God, what he's offering through his spirit is that he's willing and able to do exceedingly more than all we can ask or imagine. And I do think that's why he refers to that as we offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Cause guess what, whether you use it for the good or not, it, it's literally going to crumble right before your eyes on, on planet earth. So use it yeah, for something good or just let it be used, <laughs> but it's all headed South. And he's basically saying in Romans 10, before we get to Romans 12, a couple of chapters earlier, he, he's talking about it's not rocket science. In other words, look, it's, if, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So he uses that as a launch pin for your behavior. You say, I just said Jesus is Lord. Well, God's saying, well, prove it. Prove it, prove that I am. You can prove it by the way you live. So, and without that, it uh, you make up you make up different uh, reasons why you shouldn't be a godly person on planet Earth. Amazingly, two thousand years later from the time this was written out, nothing has changed as far as humanity is concerned when it comes to behavior. Well, that's right. And I made the same point that Jace made, not as much folks on the disciples uh, when I preach Sunday, but on Jesus. I mean, he was about to offer his body as our living sacrifice when he was in the garden. And to me, it was the most human moment of his 33 years on the earth because he honestly said, if there were any other way, I'd just as soon not do this. But then he said, but not my will be done, but yours. And it's interesting that Paul uses the idea about God's will. He said, I came to please the one who sent me, not just me. And I've always thought that was such a, that's such a human moment for us because we realized that Jesus knew what he was about to have to suffer. So when you give up your body as a sacrifice, you're going all in. And so that's the difference, I think, in, in what Paul's conveying here, the, to the Jewish mind, their listener thinking, wait a minute, so we don't go and, and take a dove or take a lamb or take a whatever they used to. They offered everything but themselves. And to the Gentile, they were worshiping all these false idols and all that. But same thing, they would bring something other than themselves to sacrifice to their God, whether yeah. it was Yahweh or some false God. Now, Paul said, no, 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 you are the sacrifice. You, you, yep. you give yourself fully, which is kind of the point of the whole deal. In the centerpiece, before you get to the behavior aspect and the looking at seeing what, what gifts are, how you're gifted, everybody's worth something. Everybody has a skill set. He mentions that from about verse four, four and five, six there. But the bottom line is he does start out rightfully so with God's mercy and God's grace. That's the two motivating right. factors, his mercy and his grace. In view of that, look around yep. at the world. You say, well, you don't want to hold. Don't don't hold to the pattern of the world. Most of them don't believe yeah. I'm who I say I am. Don't follow them. Right. Be different. Right. Be different. Stand out That's for exactly good. Right. Stand out for yeah. me. So, 
It made me think of this. Hey, what we're hang on, Jace. Let's take a break. So, Jace, did you know that the average American has 97 points they could add to their credit score, but no idea how to get them? I did not know that, but I know points are good in any competition. More points are better. You're exactly right. So, basically, the data scientists at ScoreMaster have cracked the code. Uh, You can add 97 points to your credit score. And I like this. They say it's like found money, which I don't know about you, but anytime I find a $20 bill or a Hondo left in a shirt pocket somewhere, I mean, that feels like it's Christmas, you know, to found money. And that's what it is when you get some added credit score because it helps you save money uh, when you have to make a loan for a, a house or boat or something like that. So check these guys out if you want to bump up uh, your credit score. It's free to try. Scoremaster.com slash fill and um, find out how many points you can add. Scoremaster.com slash fill to get your credit score up. What popped in my head was this this passage in Mark 9. They had a the disciples were arguing with the crowd and of course they had the teachers there, teachers of the law, and they were having a big argument and Jesus saw this crowd gathered. This is in verse 14 and 15. And he comes up in verse 16 and says, what you, what are y'all arguing about? And a man in the crowd said, I brought my son who's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. And the spirit will seize him, throw him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they couldn't do it. And so Jesus is like, oh, boy. You know, bring the boy to me. And so they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground. He rolled around, foaming at the mouth. So Jesus is kind of like, how long has he been like this? Which is interesting. They're like from childhood. And it's thrown him into the fire or the water to kill him. But if you, but if you can do anything... This is the father saying, take pity on us and and help us, which comes back to my point about God being willing and able. When you talk about God's will and and how we're asking for that. And I love Jesus's response because he says, if you can, because the guy said, if you can do anything, like, is it possible? And I think we do that in our own lives, whatever our problem is, or whether it's physical or spiritual, we kind of pray to God like, well, you know, if you could, and Jesus, he bristles at that and says, everything is possible for him who believes. And immediately Hmm. the boy's father exclaimed, well, I do believe. And he says, help me overcome my unbelief, (laughs) (laughs) which is a, which is a really good response. And so then Jesus cast out the spirit. And then they asked him later, well, how come the disciples said, well, how come we couldn't do it? How come we couldn't get him out? And in verse 29, he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. And that's why I I brought up the point about that, looking at it from God's perspective. It's one thing to pray or to have a list and say, help me do this, or can you do this, or if you're willing to do that, it's another thing to realize that when you're approaching God, he's 
responding of I'm willing and, and I'm able. You have access and, to the and, greatest and, power beyond And nothing is impossible with me. That's what it says. That's what it says. I mean, if we just believe that, because I think when you think about it, you look around all the things in our culture and all these problems, and you're like, well, I can't do anything about that. And then you have this story about our Lord and Savior who we've surrendered to saying nothing is impossible. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just praying for, you know, think of the craziest thing that you could think of for North Korea to be liberated and to have an opportunity to fall in love with Jesus. Never underestimate the the prayer of people who yep. have their trust in a God that says nothing is impossible just by your prayer. So I, I think that's the way we should look at it. I'm absolutely convinced that God's going to work in a little baby that, uh, that that guy's uh he's in the air force over in Bowser city, I think staying at the big air base there. But, uh, he and his wife brought the little child over, uh, some horrible disease, you know, that he had. I'm not quite sure all what's involved in it, but uh, and they asked you to pray. He asked what to pray for yeah. him. So we we've I've, I've, and they brought him back a couple of times. But uh, I keep praying for that little kid. I am convinced the Almighty is going to deliver him. So we'll see. But uh, that's just one of many that we prayed for here recently. But uh, with him. Nothing is impossible. You're right upon that one, Jace. Yeah, I mean that's what he said. Well, saying. I think I think if we approach him that way, always. That's why when someone asks me about prayer, I always pray for healing first because that's what we want. We're human beings. We don't want to lose a child. I don't want to lose a brother or sister. But at the same time, I also pray that as we're going through this struggle, that we bring God glory because sometimes people have died and even the way they died, they gave so much glory to God. Other people looked at him and said, man, what a life. You know, I had one of my neighbors down here that was telling me about his mother-in-law had passed away. She got struck by lightning. She was 72 years old and she was just the the godliest woman you, you ever seen in your life. And, and it's just terrible. And they're all at the hospital and it, she didn't have any external, you know, signs of what had happened to her, but internally 80% of her body's burned. So she's not going to live. And so he said that his father-in-law was standing there next to her and they were talking and she was, she was still able to communicate and, you know, they were just telling they loved her and the others basically saying goodbye. And the husband looked at her and he said, are you about ready to go? And she said, I'm ready. And she closed her eyes and she went. And I just thought to myself, man, that's the way I want to be at the end of this ride. Whatever happens to me that I'm like, are you ready to go? Yep. Let's see what's next. I mean, that to me, that spoke more about faith and totally giving yourself into the Almighty that you can know it's that moment when I close my eyes, I'm ready for the adventure, whatever's next, let's do it. I mean, that yeah. spoke a lot to me, just you know, a, a woman of faith like that. Well, that's the connection. What makes Romans 12 so powerful is because in view of God's mercy, you have this access and you have this new mind and you're actually tapping into God's will and he goes through all these gifts that he's given us that unleash his ability and his willingness. And then when you get down to the end, the result of that is how we, you know, live our lives. People don't, they underestimate you're unleashing God's power in, in your love being sincere, like verse nine, you're, you hate what is evil. You cling to what is good. You're devoted to one another. 
Uh, you honor one another above yourselves. You're never lacking in zeal. You're keeping your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. You're joyful in hope. You're patient in affliction. Well, then it says faithful in prayer. And you're sharing with God's people who are in need. You're practicing hospitality. Well, all these things that we just view as little bitty things, you're actually unleashing God's ability. What, what he said when, you know, by believing nothing is impossible. All these, all these awesome supernatural things can happen in your life via the, the Spirit of God in little moments that we just yeah. share in day to day. But in the middle of all this, if you look at it, going to what you just read, practice hospitality, which means uh, you're forking out the grub, you're paying for it, uh, you're providing others for their enjoyment, and, and it says practice it, which means do this a lot is the only thing right. I can get out of way. If you practice something, you become known for something. Well, practicing hospitality, you say, yeah. well, that, would be, that would be your worshiping God? That's what it says. But you also feel, I mean, I'm going to talk to the baseball team. When you practice, you get good. You get good at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole reason well, you because, practice something. Hang on, let's take our last let's take our last break. We had Gordon and uh the woman he is currently uh dating. And uh my sister that Gordon was married to has passed on. She's uh gone on to be with the Almighty. I'm convinced she's there for sure. So oh, yeah. that's several years ago. But he, so he's dating this woman, said, y'all come by and have a meal. So we provided them with beef tenderloin, you know, and hot baked rolls, you know, and green beans with a little <laughs> bacon in there. So we had a nice little <laughs> feed there, but we've done it so much. There's the artist, Phyllis's husband. He shows up. He lives right up the road. So we just had a little gathering there. We were just practicing hospitality like it was. It, it, we do it so much, Al. It's well, it's a practice. We yeah. we put it into practice. Yeah. You say, well, how come you do that? Well, there's the text right there. A lot of people tend to be very withdrawn, and they seldom interact with other people. And they, some woman the other day, she said, I went to a church for six months before I came here, Mister Field. She said, but. No one ever asked me, how are you doing today? No one ever spoke to me. She said, I stayed there for six months. No one ever said, uh, what's your name? Why, why, you know, where are you from? You come? She said, they paid no attention to me for six months. She said, this right here, she came to meet with us. She said, this is great. We had a meal afterwards, you know, after we met. Had a meal over there at some local restaurant. Miss Kay went with her, you know. They got to know each other, you know. So she drove up three, four-hour drive from where she came from. But that's what he means by, look, come together, find out who you are, you know, deal with your problems, the different individuals, you know. But sit around and have a meal. So it needs to be incorporated into our worship. It's a needed thing in America. <clears throat> People get a little withdrawn, Al, and kind of camp out, and you never know them for anything. Yeah, well, that's exactly his point, is that the body has many parts that have many gifts and abilities. And you and think about it in, yep. in hospitality. I mean, just even cooking, 
becomes a great gift to draw people yeah. in. I mean, it, I'm in the Southern Lair now. We've had we've had three different couples that live in this neighborhood already in our home and fed them a meal. And the reason why, and, and, and some of those lot conversations, of it's a lot it, it of work. Is, doing but it. A, around the around the street here, already everybody's like, "Oh, that Lisa, she can cook." Well, so you become known for something. Yeah. And we have them in, of course, we're going to have spiritual discussion. That's what salt and light does. And that's why I think for any young couple, we got know we got a lot of young couples that listen to podcasts. You say, well, I just don't cook. Well, you can always learn how to cook. And I mean, it, yeah. it's a good hey, thing. It's a good thing for your family. My wife has proven that. I mean, I've told the story many times. I mean, because I, I, I was under the impression that I was going to do the cooking. Because how, I, how long did it take you to figure that out? As you ate what she was cooking. When it came, <laughs> it, it didn't even have to get, it never even got to that point. I, I just, I had been there, looked around at the, the pan, you know how you. So, this, so this you had come a, to a conclusion. looks like if there's going to be any cooking around here, I'm going to be the one doing it. Is I'm going to share something that's like I've never shared before. This is a revealing. Remember, I hope Missy's listening. your woman may be listening. That's okay. She'll get it. <laughs> she, know, she knows this about me. Not that I've told her. She's just observed. When I go to somebody's house. I, I'm a, you know how people, you know, are, are like creepy and they'll look in people's medicine cabinets and all. I don't do that. I don't but, look in people's medicine cabinets. But I do look in the pantry. <laughs> I open that pantry and I look and look, it takes me less than 10 seconds to say, nope. <laughs> so when I, when I went to the in-laws back in during the dating game, I had already looked into the pantry and I was like, nope, I'm going to do the cooking. And if this, if we ever get to that, this now, is where my woman's that, coming from, but this is not I, good. Now this is a sore subject with the family. Cause I hurt their, or their feelings by saying that. Cause I like an idiot. I told them that. And so, yeah, it was a bad call. Yeah, I should have kept that to myself. But yeah, sometimes I, you just need to keep things to yourself. Look, my wife, she, through perseverance, a lot of constructive criticism, and even tears, because I could have said thing. I could have said this was a flop. Better, yeah. there's a way to say. And she she fully realizes that you have to convey that. Jace, you're talking, and the listeners. They say are into the millions now. Yeah. Out of all the people listening to what you are saying, there is a mighty throng of them mm-hmm. who says, I, I, I don't cook and I, I, well, and they're eating. Slop. I'm, not, I'm not practicing hospitality. I yeah. don't know. Because how to nobody, people are thin skinned. And look, my saving grace was when I critiqued her wanting to cook because I kept saying, let me cook. But she, she, that hurt her feelings. So how do you relay with your own? Because I've noticed the change in your wife, by the way. Oh, let me. I remember when cook. somebody said, "Let's go over to Jason's and Missy's and eat." Yeah. I'm like, no. Yeah. Well, and but well, now, you, oh, I'm looking at Charles. What you're laying out there, Jason? Last, I'm looking at fried shrimp. That's what I'm saying. The power of God, and and hard work, has has paid off here it, it has i mean and and having some money i mean i look forward to coming to your house and eating Jace, yeah i've noticed in the past you're like no but i noticed a few years ago that <laughs> when our light came on because we never turn on our dining room light 
until we eat supper. And then after we eat, we turn it off because we're like everybody else. But we come together at that table. But I noticed something that when that light flicked on, mm-hmm. neighbors, which is most of my family around, started showing up. <laughs> yeah, We didn't send a text saying, hey, we're coming over here. Which tells it, what your mother proves what your mother has said. If you feed them, they will come. come. Like I always, it was always funny because Willie and Corey, and everybody knows this about them, so I'm not talking about them, but you know, Willie's a good cook. Corey, it's been a struggle. And so when (laughs) Willie and Corey's kids would show up at my house when the light come on, I already knew that Willie was out of town. I didn't have to say, (laughs) oh, so Willie's out of town. I just, John Luke would just come in. And I realized he saw the light come on, which, you know, we never knew how he always knew. I'd look at Miss and say, how do you know? Well, one, one night she asked him, she said, how do you always know? Cause it's different times. And he said, I see that light come on. I know y'all fixed to eat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he just, but I thought, you know, so he was drawn to a person, a couple that were known practicing hospitality yeah and we we love well i I love the point you're making though because we focus on the word hospitality but jace made a great point to focus on the word practice because when you practice something you get better at it and i think my wife and i was dead wrong i gave i will confess my sins i I should have quit trying to stop my lovely wife from attempting this because i thought just don't don't even try don't eat and that was my bad. That was just immature because the woman turned into a phenomenal cook. Yeah. I mean, when she cooks something yep. now, I'm excited. Yeah. No yeah. matter what it is, it's going to be good. I mean, That's just true. at some point, she she made the crossover where I'm like, oh, I'm not even worthy to view how I viewed that before. I bragged on you and your woman after that last feed we had. He had the, They had the beef tenderloin and the fried shrimp out. But I mean, and it'd be oh, yeah. wonderful desserts. But I thought, I told Miss Kay, I said, I tell you what, old Jason, his woman, have stepped up to the plate when it comes to hospitality. She yeah. said, I know. Well, it. Missy, she and, said, Missy and Lisa both, and, and Jessica to some extent, they, they did it the right way. They learned from our mom what we like to eat, and they took her recipes, and now they do it. And so mom lives on through our wives, you know, and then they came up yep. with some of their own stuff too, which is great. All oh, right, yeah. we're out of time. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.